This one was different. The first hint was Milo's tight-voiced 8 a.m. message stripped of details. Something I need you to see, Alex. Here's the address. An hour later, I was showing ID to the uniform guarding the tape. He winced. Up there, doctor. Pointing to the second story of a sky-blue duplex. Nice older building, the classic Cal Spanish architecture, but the color was wrong. So was the silence of the street, sawhorsed at both ends. Three squad cars and a liver-colored LTD were parked haphazardly across the asphalt. No crime lab vans or coroner's vehicles had arrived yet. I said, Bad? The uniform said, There's probably a better word for it, but that works. Milo stood on the landing outside the door, doing nothing. No cigar smoking or jotting in his pad or grumbling orders. His blue nylon windbreaker bounced sunlight at strange angles. His black hair was limp. His pitted face, the color and texture of cottage cheese, passed its prime. He looked as if he'd dressed wearing a blindfold. As I climbed the stairs, he didn't acknowledge me. When I was six steps away, he said, You made good time. Easy traffic. Sorry, he said. For what? Including you. He handed me gloves and paper booties. I held the door for him. He stayed outside. The woman was at the rear of the apartment's front room, flat on her back. The kitchen behind her was empty, counters bare, an old avocado-colored fridge free of photos or magnets or mementos. Two doors to the left were shut and yellow-taped. I took that as a keep-out. Drapes were drawn over every window. Fluorescent lighting in the kitchen supplied a nasty pseudo-dawn. The woman's head was twisted sharply to the right. A swollen tongue hung between slack, bloated lips. Limp neck. A grotesque position some coroner might label incompatible with life. Big woman, broad at the shoulders and the hips, late fifties to early sixties with an aggressive chin and short, coarse gray hair. Brown sweatpants covered her below the waist. Above the waistband of the sweats was what remained of a bare torso. Her abdomen had been sliced horizontally below the navel in a crude approximation of a C-section. A vertical slit crossed the lateral incision at the center, creating a star-shaped wound. The damage brought to mind one of those hard rubber change purses that relies on surface tension to protect the goodies. Squeeze to create a stellate opening, then reach in and scoop. The yield from this receptacle was a necklace of intestines placed below the woman's neckline and arranged like a fashionista's puffy scarf. One end terminated at her right clavicle. Bilious streaks ran down her right breast and onto her ribcage. The rest of her viscera had been pulled down into a heap and left near her left hip. 
The pile rested atop a once-white towel, folded double. Below that was a larger maroon towel, spread neatly. Four other expanses of terry cloth formed a makeshift tarp that shielded beige wall-to-wall -wall carpeting from biochemical insult. The towels had been arranged precisely, edges overlapping evenly for about an inch. Doubling the white towel had succeeded in soaking up a good deal of body fluid, but some had leaked into the maroon underlayer. The smell would have been bad enough without the initial stages of decomp. One of the towels beneath the body bore lettering, silver bath sheet embroidered Vita in white. Latin or Italian for life. Some monster's notion of irony? The intestines were green-brown, splotched pink in spots, black in others. Matte finish to the casing, some puckering that said they'd been drying for a while. The apartment was cool, a good ten degrees below the pleasant spring weather outside. But rot is inevitable, and the woman's color wasn't anything you'd see outside a morgue. Incompatible with life.